I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. Your hosts, David, Scott, and Jim, guide you through the chronological epic story of Dune. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And on this episode, we are reading and discussing Hunters of Dune. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Back the- into the KJ-verse. Yeah. Yeah, this is the first book created to be Dune 7. So it's the first half of Dune 7. I don't know how you want to look at that. Yeah. But um, boy, what a difference all around. Um, you know, we're going to get into it, but we've got tons of stuff about this to talk about. Um, but uh, just briefly, brief summary, we join back up with um, the sisters and um, their struggle with Honored Matrix. And the no ship. And the no ship. And the no right. ships escaped. And Duncan and Shiana and Teg are flying around avoiding the mysterious enemy. And uh, they're creating their own golas of past people that we've read about. Um, and yeah, what else happens? Uh, the, we should welcome the chat room that's yeah. with us. We have a chat room live when we actually do record this. If you manage to be able to catch us. I'm sorry for those of you in the UK that can't. Yeah. And many other parts of the world, but, um, but at, anyways, uh, we had this discussion pre-show, and it's going on in the chat room right now <laughs> as to whether Norma Senva was was uh, was a hottie was a hottie transformation or, yes. or post transformation. And, and Ryan White actually is with me here because he was thinking post meant the Kevin J. Anderson like Hunters and Sandworms was post. Oh but no! That's no. not what we were talking about—the first transformation of Norma Senva. Yeah, yeah. So this is like when she was working for Holtzman. Yeah. So and uh, he—he—that's the one he liked. No, he liked he liked Post. I don't know. If he it says it right there in the chat room. Does it though? Words don't lie, buddy. <laughs> Words don't lie. Read it and weep. Read it. Ry- the Ryan White has spoken. Mm-hmm. So yeah, saying. you know, always great to have the people in the chat room. With yeah, us. absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, uh, other things that happened to the book, we've had the, the merging of the Honored Matrix and the Sisterhood, and uh, we discovered the face dancers well, are happened, everywhere. That happened at the end of Chapter House. Yeah, but you really see it in this one. Well, yeah, you see the yeah. effects of that yeah. joining or... The forcing of the it. The forcing of... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, I mean, without getting too into our discussion, I think that's a pretty good summary of kind of what happens. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I mean, we wind up learning who are the enemy is Omnius and Erasmus. Yeah. And, uh, well, we get, and we, and we, and we, uh, we kind of discover a little bit more about the Futars here and mm-hmm. the, we get to the Futar homeworld. And the handlers and how these yeah. amazing uh, face dancers came to be. Um, and the, the big one, the origin of the Honored Matries and uh, how they came about. Yeah, so. do we get that revelation from uh, Mother Superior in this book? Yeah. Right. Yep. See, mm-hmm. I did, I, I gotta be honest, I couldn't stop with just Hunters. I had to begin reading Sandworms so like partway through it. So so I forget kind of where the divide happens. Actually, yeah. I know kind of where it happens. but Just drink your Mountain Dew. I'm gonna drink, I'm gonna drink my Mountain Dew. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so where are we at? So let's go with, I guess, our overall impressions of this book. Um, and, and thoughts and Jim, can I put you on the spot and have you go first? Sure. I really, really like this book for a lot of different reasons. Really good story. Not a whole lot of static, uh, to get through, to understand what was going on. Uh, each chapter was a small kind of a snapshot of a different part of the picture that put it all together in the end in one one large picture and some surprises for me and reveals for me i i i think i told you uh about a week ago i thought it was epic yeah yeah you mm-hmm. did you, you did tweet that out yeah yeah uh, go ahead go, go ahead, ahead. Me? Yeah, me? Go ahead. all right all right okay all right so i thoroughly enjoyed the book i you know, you, there's lots that can be said about jumping back into the Brian Herbert, Kevin J. Anderson stuff, and it's normal um, kind of differences from Frank. Uh, and I would just want to say, usually when you hear those those differences, it's like it never lives up, it's not the same, like it's it just doesn't reach its potential. Let me tell you, I was ready, so ready for the switch. Uh, I mean... As much as I enjoyed the story in Chapter House, and even, you know, Heretics is a lot of it too, those books are such slow reads for me. I just, especially Chapter House, because every time Odraid came on the scene, it was like the same conversation in her head every single time you saw her. And I was just so sick of the sisterhood, and I wanted the action to move faster, I wanted... I was I was tired of all this inner workings of the mind. I just wanted to keep, things to keep moving, and I got that with this book. I mean, so I read this book really quickly, um, and at no point did I feel like it was dragging for me because every time I would finish a certain section, especially with the Duncan stuff, all I could think about is like, ah, oh, I just want to read these other chapters so I can get back to Duncan and <laughs> and his ship. <laughs> It was that way, if I recall correctly, when we were in the Kevin J the Kevin J verse prior to it. Whenever we'd have a part in a book with Duncan, I was always looking forward to Duncan. He remained throughout the course of the Dune books. He has remained the character that I've been most interested in. Mm-hmm. Sometimes more than others, but especially in the in the Kevin J Anderson Brian Herbert verse, those books I uh, that that I, I really have enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, I, I want to say that there were there were things that were different about this book that I I I, I don't know if I forgot or maybe there are other books that are 
aren't as bad as I remember. But like, so with Frank's stuff, he was getting very sexual towards the end, um, and he, he was like turning up. You miss hot. that, don't you? In this yeah, I just. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm not saying that it was like over, like you know, too much or anything, but it was definitely like ramping up from what he had done, and the violence was kind of like, eh, not so much. It. I expected when we jumped into stuff written more modern that we would have more of that, especially with the Honored Matrix, like the mixing and stuff, we would get more of that. But even when the point comes to, um, what's his name? Uh, Uxtal or Uxtal, the, the uh, Talaxa. Uxtal. Uxtal, yeah, Uxtal. Even when we get to him being uh, bonded, it's pretty much a fade to black. Like she's, they're like, oh, and then he does, and then she does it. And I, I was at that point in the book and I didn't remember how it happened. And I, I was just like, oh, I expected more is, of this. Is, is in this book, see, again, my curse me for reading ahead, but in, in this book is Duncan freed from the control of the head of the Bene Gesserit. At the very end. At the very end. So we do get a little bit of a sexual scene in that. But even that is... It's very tame it's compared way, to what... Yeah. yeah, compared to the way that he used to describe like, him and Mirabella um, clashing together. So, uh, yeah, so definitely not... It's not certainly not as overt. Right. Even even The Awakening of Yui. Was that this book? No. Okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, then, moving right along. Um, so my overall impressions and thoughts... Well, I, uh, when Jim Facebook, the word, it was epic. I said, hmm, which he interpreted as like, I hated the book. And I took it as, are you talking about Herm? Yes, the, Herm. The, uh, the uh, Futar. Futar. <laughs> I am a fan of the Futars, especially Herm. I'm very sad that he bites it in the end. But um, Anyways, the Futar. Um, so here, here's my thoughts and I reevaluated it since I talked to you, Jim, on Facebook about it. Didn't really talk it any much away. Um, when I got into this book, my first thought as I began to listen to it was, oh my God, here we go again. (laughs) That was the initial thought. Back in the same people, the same universe, and here we go. <laughs> and and I think uh, I didn't feel that way toward the toward the end. So, but I think what I was feeling was having come out of Chapter House and into this book, and how ponderous Chapter House got. Um. And and then, um, and then going into this book, I it just was like I'm still in the same situation. So so I don't know. That was my initial gut. By the end, it was enjoyable. There, I mean, mm-hmm. the typical stuff that's in a Kevin J. Anderson Brian Herbert book. You have the the grotesqueness of some of the scenes that you almost can't watch slash listen to slash read. Tell, tell, wait, 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 before we go too further. Well, okay, finish your thought. So, so uh, you know, and, and there's a lot. And again, the falling in love with Duncan and Tag um, and 
and the um, do we get uh, and and the whole the the whole uh, I saw where the events on the Futar planet were going. I don't mm. know that we see the effects of that in this book. We do, we do. Um, and I I knew what had happened, and I'm far enough along in Sandworms that my gut feeling was correct because um, I was just waiting for it to happen. Um, so I don't know. I, I it it is it's paying off for me in the end. So okay. that's what I'm saying. It's right. paying off for me in the end, and I mean that in a very good way. So, or, or you think we're good with the yeah. chat? You think we're good? You said just kept repeating back to the same part. But it says okay, back in. Okay. So let's see if that. So Ryan, you can just let me know if it works. If he ever gets to that part where you said, right, right. let me know there Maybe someone can type that in. Someone can type that in. Give it to Jim. Uh, Jim, you can type Jim, that in. I don't have a way to type it in. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, okay. Let's, let's, let's go back to what you said, the grotesque parts, because for Kevin J. Anderson, Brian Herbert, this book felt much tamer. Well, yeah, yes, I will agree with that, but much more gruesome than Frank Herbert. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. unless you're going to talk about being sex, the sex being grotesque at points, but then then yes, then Frank Herbert's up there, but But yeah, but even the even the the cruelty felt turned down. Probably turned down for Kevin J. Anderson and Brian Herbert. Yeah. Which is interesting because these books kind of came after all the prequels where they really had ramped it except up. Except for except for the heroes books, everything yeah. we've read was written yeah. before these. So so they turned it, toned it down. And I wonder if that was an intentional toning down. Or maybe they heard some flack from from it in the first books. I don't maybe know. Maybe it just didn't fit. Maybe. Maybe. Let's let's uh let's talk about how it would have been before we get into the characters. Let's talk about how it would have been to read this book without any of the prequels. Would it have made any sense? Um, hmm. I want to say yes, because the story is certainly continued enough. Now, what happens is they throw these little bones in that if you read the prequels, you're like, oh, yes, I knew that event. Mm-hmm. And it certainly makes a heck of a lot more sense when suddenly Norma Senma pops up. Yeah. You know? As the uh, what they call it, the Oracle Time, mm-hmm. you know, it makes sense that it makes sense uh, when she pops up, and at the very end, when we're introduced to Rasmus and Om- Omnius, we like we like, oh, well, there's a whole history there that you wouldn't have without it, um, and like references to like the Amal and stuff like that. Those are references, but but not having a context for that is no biggie because Frank Herbert did that all the time. You, but do you think do you think you would have cared or or felt the danger or understood specifically Erasmus and Omnius? Like to me, most of the things you can kind of glaze over. Well, well, okay, we know that they are thinking machines, and Frank Herbert did a great job of establishing this whole principle that you do not build thinking machines and so we and suddenly we run into thinking machines there would certainly be an alarm there okay i would think but jim Jim. what's your thought on this i'm blabbering here oh well no problem 
Um, yeah, I don't think, David, I would have uh, picked up on the uh, the old couple if I had not read the prequels. I really don't think I would have known what was going on. Now, did you did you figure it out prior to the reveal? Um, I had kind of an inkling, mm-hmm. but but uh, until the reveal, I wasn't absolutely positive. Because they were trying to make us think they were face dancers. Yes, and, and and I interpreted it as being face dancers initially. Um, and it didn't hit me till the end. Now, wh- what I did go back to, and one of the things that, uh, what was the Battle for Corrin, when there was this little, th- this little beam of Omnius that gets sent out. Yeah. Um, here's where that comes full circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we get especially an explanation of that in Sandworms, which we haven't touched yet. Right. But um, this is where that comes full circle for us. But I don't feel like you would have had to have read the prequels to suddenly figure out, well, some meat machines obviously survived mm-hmm. the the Butlerian Jihad. Let's uh, jump to the chat room here. Ryan White says he read it without reading the prequels uh, the first time around. He read these mm-hmm. first. He says it made it made sense from what I remember from the original six. But there was a lot that I was that was confusing. I started reading Hunters and Sandworms to find out what was supposed to happen in Dune Seven, and then started the prequels. The Thinking Machine stuff made sense, and I was able to put a lot of it together from Frank's stuff. So there you go. Because so, I part of the reason we did things in this order was specifically because these final two books rely so heavily on the prequel stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what did they? Um, I, I listened to an interview with them at the one of. The, so I, I listen. For those of you who don't know, I read the Dune books through audio, um, and um, at the end of the one audio, they're interviewing Kevin J. Anderson and Brian because um, we're on a first name basis, and and <laughs> yeah, and and one of the things that he says is that they wrote, they released the prequels um because it had been so long since a since chapter house was released and they wanted to reestablish a new audience for dune Mm -hmm. and so they released the prequels and then released book seven and eight you know aka the final book of dune um and and through that context helped it make sense so that was kind of their their thinking and so it was built on that and uh, apparently built from the notes of Frank Herbert. Mm-hmm. So how much of this is um, Kevin G. Anderson and Brian Herbert building on Frank Herbert stuff and how much of it's their own is, I think, um, the curiosity of many Dune aficionados, right? Right. And I'm not sure that we have an answer for that. Um, but they definitely tie in, and these books certainly make more sense if you have read the prequels. Mm-hmm. But I think that you can read these books without the prequels. You're just missing some stuff. There's yeah. some jokes. There's some inside little scoop that you don't have. Right. Okay. All right. But would you recommend reading it without the prequels? And I'm not saying like they have to read all the prequels, just the legends. Jim. Bum Jim. 
I think I, I seriously think that I would recommend to anybody to read these books exactly the way we have done it. Oh, and all hardcore Dune <laughs> Dune fans are crying I, out in agony. <laughs> I feel like if if everyone could see the video and only the, the chat room people really can, Jim just dropped the mic and then played his his loot off stage. That's right. <laughs> like, That's right. Like epic the, epic the, metal like the, the, off stage. Yeah. The big <laughs> the big cane came out and yanked him off stage. Like okay, he's done. <laughs> yeah, I, no, that, I am absolutely serious because. Uh, the the entire thing makes one huge picture that goes on for thousands of years, mm-hmm, and yeah, it's mm-hmm. just really interesting. And you get to see where Duncan came from. Yeah, and you get to see where everybody came from, and how bad things went. Yeah, uh, you know, especially especially when you take the transition from. Edo the first to Paul, how bad things went at that yeah. point. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no doubt that reading the books chronologically makes a heck of a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's no doubt that when you get into Frank Herbert's book, there is a depth of philosophy and intrigue and thought that while it's present in the other books, isn't necessarily captured maybe as well. I don't know if I'm, am I safe to say that, David? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I say it as well, but, mm-hmm. but, but from a story point and from uh, a completeness point, I right. agree with Jim. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. right on board. I'm right on board. I recently, uh, we have a new listener, a friend of mine, Jamie, and she recently just read, she finished Butler and Jihad. Hi, Jamie. Uh, and uh, yeah, like a year from now when you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Um, and I, she was like, ah, you know, you're always reading it and stuff. Maybe I should look into it. She's like, how should I do it? And I just said, just start at the beginning. Just read along with us. Take, you know, all the stuff's up there. And uh, she loves it. I mean, she has no concept of the first, the Herbert books. So she's totally free to enjoy the Kevin J. Anderson stuff without, like, the prejudice. Yeah. That's really interesting. And that's the way I felt when going into it. I, I felt it, was, it had been so long since I picked up Dune. Mm-hmm. And I'd seen the miniseries. But I felt free to just enjoy the first books because I had no preconceptions. Yeah. And no real close connection or love affair with the right. origin books. But right. Well, let's get back into uh, – let's, let's, let's move along with our outline here. I think the next area, Jim, is characters. Yeah, we're going to talk about some of the characters. And um, I kind of myself thought about characters more in blocks. The ones on the Ithaca, the Bene Gesserit, the Honored Majors, and then uh, what was going on with uh, the uh, face dancers which seemed to be everywhere. Right. But, um, <laughs> They're everywhere. So I, I, what I think we could do is talk about those that are on the Ithaca to start with. Uh, Duncan, Shiana, who calls herself Mother Superior. Uh, Miles, uh, the, Golda, the, the Gola children, the Rabbi, Skytail, and the Futons. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Favorite character? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite character to pronounce? 
<laughs> yeah. All right. So who do we want to talk about first? Handler. No, I'm sorry. You handler. No, 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 not. It's like our last show where we were. Uh... <laughs> Well, welcome well, to let's, the show. Let's yeah. talk about Duncan first. <laughs> All right, we'll talk about Duncan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, I I really like Duncan. I felt like this of the Duncans we've been seeing. This Duncan here is as close to classic Duncan as we've gotten, and maybe it's because he's a culmination of all the Duncans. But he just was more. Even though he didn't do a lot of swashbuckling, he. Felt more like a swashbuckler. I'm, that was horribly pronounced. That was. That was terrible. <laughs> wow. But, but can, can I can I piggyback in that? Yeah. For me, when I when you say classic Duncan, for me this is so reminiscent of the pre Frank Herbert Duncan. Yes. And that's yes. the Duncan that I fell in love with. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's but most so, like him. So it's most like him. Not. It's it's it's. I mean, Frank Herbert. Every single book, Duncan is a different persona. Mm-hmm, one mm-hmm, you like mm-hmm. him, the next he's a robot. I'm not not you know either with the, and then the next one he's a he's a he's a he's a uh, reincarnation of himself, and he's whiny and yeah. lovesick and can't have what he wants. And, yeah, you know. So I mean, so for me, I like that. Yeah, and like, that's what I'm trying to say. He's that's to me that's a class the the original as close to the original story wise as we've read it, Duncan. Yeah, absolutely. And I liked that. And I, I, you know, he was hard when he needed to be hard. And he was, I guess, soft when he needed to be soft. And, you know, he had his own struggles. And the, the I liked seeing his inner conversations rather than just the right. constant sisterhood stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, yep. Jim? Well, he, sure, he sure made some mistakes, though. Well, he, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What were some, some of the mis- that- What were some of the mistakes from your end? Well, he was, you know, asleep at the switch daydreaming about Mirbella and just about got the ship captured. <laughs> yeah. Twice. Um, you know, yeah, a couple of times. And uh, but what I really, really like uh, about Duncan was that he he was thinking through the entire book about how he was killed over and over and over again. And he was he wasn't his own person. And finally there at the end of the book, when Shiana helped him get over Mirbella, he said, that's it. I am now my own man mm-hmm. to hell with everybody else. Yeah. He says that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, did you read ahead, Scott? Yeah, he says that. <laughs> but, but it is, it's, it's a refreshing attitude coming from Duncan. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. But, Which he, is, you know, I mean, after, thousands and thousands of years it's like yes finally now what's he gonna do well he's never been his own man i mean like running for what running from uh harkonnens and then uh and then went and then uh coming into the service of atreides always been a servant to the atreides and uh, even up to this day and some might argue he still is i mean he uh, you know even when they when he broke off the bond with the uh honor matri bond um well i think he says it kind of the best in his own in a way, and I, I'm not sure how he worded it specifically, but it's something along the lines of like, what is the cord of Duncan through all these lives? Loyalty. What is the Absolutely. thing that I don't have right now? 
loyalty, loyalty yeah. and that's that's kind of where that's that I think that happens like right before he get he breaks the yeah. and and it's like because of Marbella he can't be really loyal to anyone especially himself right and uh I thought that was a really cool revelation like if you know Duncan you really get that mm-hmm. that feel there so what about Shiana yeah. dead silence I that's what we think about it go ahead Jim Uh, I keep wondering about this uh, power she has over the worms you know now she's a she's a reverend mother she is mother superior for the Bene Gesserit on the ship well and really Uh, for all intent intents and purposes the remaining original style of Bene Gesserits yeah yeah and I'm just wondering how that's going to clash with Mirbella when they get back together. I'm thinking ahead a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I, I like the character, but she seemed more like a, a plot tool than, than really that important. You heard it here on the Dune Saga podcast. Jim just called Shana Tool. <laughs> well you know um i missed the. Sh- i still miss the and i said this the last I, I missed it in chapter house too i miss the shiana from heretics the 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 whiny girl that mm-hmm. was doing anything to get her way and stamping her foot in frustration like there was a character there mm-hmm. there was something that even though i didn't i mean she was childish at times i liked her because it was unique and it was different. And now, yes, she's kicking against the goads of the Bene Gesserit in a sense because um, they're kind of split. Like, do we bring these Golas back? Or don't we bring them back? And she's all like pro-Gola and everyone's like, hey, anti-Gola, right? You know, they have that whole thing going. And so she's a little bit of a rebel there. But but it's not, it's not that stick-in-your-face attitude that we kind of had in Heretics. And that's the Shiana I miss. And that's a Shiana I want. She became every other Mother Superior we followed in this book. Yeah. I mean, more... Well, not every, because she can control the sandworms. Well, And that is different. Her inner dialogue and, you know, with the whole vision of the future and debating things back and forth. I mean, she was less prominent in this book than the last couple that have had... Like where we followed Mother Superior, so it, she was definitely a foil for Morbella's uh, Mother Commander. It's all action and yeah. hit hit these hard decisions, and she's more just like, well, we just got to keep going because we have to keep going. Um, I gotta say, I mean, I didn't like or hate her, really, honestly. It, she was a. I agree with Jim. She was a plot tool. When she showed up, I expected something to uh, us to be on the cusp of something changing. Mm-hmm. And that was basically all I ever really expected out of her. Yeah. Wait, one more book. I mean, if only I had read ahead like someone. <laughs> hey, look, <laughs> she hasn't changed in this book so far. So, um, <laughs> so uh, go ahead. Let's move on to Miles. I love Tag. Tag is absolutely one of my favorite characters. It began in Heretics and um, remains here. I just love Miles Tag. He wasn't given near enough screen time in this book. Mm-hmm. He's almost like a second Duncan to me. Like, 
I like Duncan and Tag is almost right up there as far as being the other males in this book, as far as being an interesting character. That whole like shifting out of time is just absolutely awesome. I love when he does it, and you see it do it, you see him do it a few times, and absolutely incredible. Yeah, um, yeah. Again, I, I he didn't seem as commanding this in this in this book as he did Heretics. You know, even as as a I'm sorry, Chapter House. Yeah, Chapter as a, House. As a kid, like he was, even though he was in command of the armies, uh, that is true. He, he seems he is much more subdued. Yeah, and maybe it's because of the situation, or I think he, I think he talks a couple times about. Well, him and Duncan have really grown close. Right, and I think he even talks about like fearing being, or he's a he's a tool for the sisterhood, but he doesn't have any use right now, or something like that. I don't know. I I definitely like Miles Tag. Um, I like I like older Miles in this book. Yeah. Do you know one of the yeah. things that I do? Um, and I like to say he doesn't feel like he has use. I mean, how many years? And I forget how many years does this book span? Is are we looking like twenty years here? Yeah, twenty years. So on I mean, ship. twenty years of being on a ship in a confined section of the ship because they haven't really explored the whole thing. Um, in a confined section of this ship, 20 years, and they haven't seemingly found any destination. Yeah. Okay. Pause. Yes. You brought up the 20 years in the ship, and they haven't explored everything. Yes. Right? When the face dancers crash into the ship, right? Mm-hmm. My, my thoughts were when they, they you know, they, there's two, at this point, there's two face dancers that may or may not be missing. There's there's room that there should have been two face dan- two more face dancers. You're on this giant ship. Everyone go to one place and just blow the air out of the ship, and then repressurize. Like to me, I was just like plot they, hole. Yeah, I was like, they, I was like, they could be hiding anywhere on this huge ship, and we're not like so just suffocate them. And then, and then you're like, oh, we could be anywhere. Well, not anymore. I don't know. That's yeah. all I could think of with it. Of course, I'm sure something happens or whatever. Maybe it doesn't. I don't remember. But anyway, <laughs> that's, that's like, come on. If this was Star Trek, this is what we would do. Janeway wouldn't hesitate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really liked the, the Duncan-Miles relationship and then how it transferred from Miles to Gola Hooper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, I, that was yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because Miles and Fufu are tight. Mm-hmm. Fufir. I said Fufu. Well, since you brought Fufir up, let's talk about the Gola children a little bit. Dude, that yeah. scene with baby Leto yeah. is freaky. I totally forgot about that. That it's just like out of nowhere, and then you don't see it anymore. It's like nothing happened. You're like, whoa. It's like it's like you know what i pictured is i remember that scene in aliens where the thing jumps out of the guy's chest yeah that's what i'm picturing here with the sandworm and Leto, baby Leto, like shoes are up and there's this innocent baby laying there yep that was what a freaky image if you think about it like little innocent baby and like rock and then they kind of drop it yep yep they do uh, but it's it's not totally. I mean, it has to be coming up, right? Uh, in this book, they drop it. Yeah, they drop it, and and uh, and I'm halfway through Sandworms and still drop it. 
And and you've got Cheney and uh, Jessica. Well, Cheney and Paul kind of getting close. Kind of getting close. I mean, it's you know I guess they seem kind of young for kissing, but they're doing because they're more mature or whatever. I thought that was a really interesting dynamic. How they just naturally fell into their yeah, absolutely their roles for for it. I love the whole Yui dilemma. Yui's yeah. like. If this is who I was, hell no, you aren't waking me up. I mean, that's his eye. He's like, there's no way you're stepping, you're, you're, you're making me wake up. Because I know what I was. I don't want to be that person. He's kind of a loner and everything. Like, everyone kind of knows what he did because they're studying it constantly. Right. Yeah. I, I, why did they bring him back? That, that one doesn't make any sense. Wow. But is, is there, do they grow up in the next book? They, uh, there's, more, there's more to Yui in the next book. I'm not going to say anything else. Oh, so, I, I'm I was uh, I was wondering about the entire group because it's going to be an interesting dynamic when you consider their ages. Yeah, dogs, dogs are barking. Dogs just went berserk here. Yeah, well, stop sitting on them for crying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm feeding him despite what you said. So. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyways. Uh, what about what about Skytail? Yeah, I mean, he was much different than he had because he was so desperate. But I kind of liked the um, I liked that he he was more of a crew member. I mean, he wasn't, mm-hmm. but you know, he got his he got his gola and he kind of kept to himself, and he was he was smart about it. And um, even when Duncan comes to him, like he doesn't demand. He doesn't just. He said Duncan says he could try and see that he was co- trying to figure out what he could get from Duncan, and in the end, he was just like, "Well, we could do it. I mean, it'd be hard, but but we could." He doesn't ever demand anything from him. Uh, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I, I thought he was interesting. I like him a lot more in this book than I did the previous. It's kind of. It was uh, for me. It was kind of scary who he might bring out. And um, bring out as the next Gola. Oh yeah, because well, you know he he brought out all the heroes. Didn't the, but the sisters chose that, right? Yeah, the sisters were the ones making the decision on as to who was actually developed, and it took him a while before he got his own Gola, right, of himself, yeah. which is kind of his intent in all this. He could have well, he could have gone behind their back. Yeah. I have written down here the rabbi, but he was just kind of there. <laughs> yeah. I Okay. The whole I, Jewish community thing is. I don't remember. And don't. Scott may or may not. Uh, I know. May not. Yeah, he knows. He may not uh, spoil it for everyone. I'm not. But a face dancer interaction on the planet. And they run and they escape. Yep. As soon as they got on the ship, I'm like, I was, I was like. Rabbi's a face dancer. He's got to be a face dancer. I was. When rabbi Bo- has got to be a face but dancer. But both of them, both Fufir and the rabbi, when they come on that ship last minute, say, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like yelling at the audiobook, like, come on, Tag, lift a ship, lift a ship, Tag. They're face dancers. Don't let them get on. Yeah, I kept thinking, no, they never. And then nothing happens. They, they, yeah. They, they, not, they, yeah. The only thing that, to me, by the end of the book, that convinced me that at least. Thufer was um, human as he ages. They talk about how he's aging. Right. And I was like, okay, I, don't, I wouldn't think a face dancer would get that. 
or do that well. But um, who knows? I mean, I, but well, the I mean, rabbi I was already age, so yeah, yeah. So I, I, I keep thinking he's a he's a face dancer. Maybe not. Uh, Ryan White says you uh, thought the rabbi was really annoying, um, and Roland agrees with me. That he thinks one of them. He doesn't understand why they didn't suspect them. Yeah, I, I, I to me, maybe <clears throat> so much about their rem- writing in this book made me think about Star Trek. And I was like, <laughs> if it was Star Trek, everyone would be suspect. <laughs> well, you know, it, especially when stuff begins happening on the ship. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, granted, they kind of tried to throw off suspicion by having those ships ram Ithaca, mm-hmm. right? So there's face dancers on board. And we know that. Um, but my initial suspicion, I'm like, hmm, check out these two. Yeah. You know, they're the ones, last minute escape, just conveniently being saved. Yeah. Well, there could have been a bunch of cross, across dialogue between them. Why did you care? I think, no, I think you are, you know. And, right. Uh, but there wasn't any at all. Yeah. But anyway, moving along. Yeah, the Futars. Uh, uh, it was a real good thing that uh, Shiana treated them so well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, the only food, I, there's four, right, on board. So the only one we get really a sense of personality is Herm. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's really the only one developed. Um, but it appears like most of those end up being loyal, loyal in some yeah. way. If not to Shiana, at least to Herm. Yes. Um mm-hmm. And so I liked him. I, it was it was sad to kind of see him go. Yeah, visually, my mental impression of the futars is all over the place. I never felt like they really described the way they looked appropriately. I mean, sometimes they were more human, which is like they said, cat-like um, right. properties. And then later they were talking about how they walked on all fours. And they were really hairy, and then it was more like a lichen thing, but I was thinking how weird it would be to crawl around on all fours and just look, I don't know. So I, I felt that there wasn't really enough description on, on their appearance hmm. for me. I don't think we really needed that, though. We yeah, just kind of need, yeah. we needed to know that they hated honored maters, and they brought about the reveal of a planet full of face dancers. Yeah, I guess yeah. you're right. Yeah, and coincidentally, face dancers, they couldn't detect. Ooh. And that was essential. That's the Ben and Jesuit. Oh, the Ben and Jesuit. Like, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. So they couldn't, and so suddenly that become that gives them their first clue that they aren't just face dancers, they are different face dancers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's move along to Daniel and Marty, the old couple, also known as Omnius and Erasmus. Yes. Um, knowing what we know of the backstory mm-hmm. in this book, you understand their relationship and how they talk to each other so much better than you would if you hadn't read the prequels. Oh yeah, because they're bickering and um, between as an old couple does, and and Erasmus's love of the the artist the artistry of everything becomes really plain at the very end and you see you know you see the um evolution 
of each of the characters here slightly. Um, from Juan, you see Erasmus up uh, connects to Omnius at the end, and that was something that he was vehemently against doing prior. Um, right. So he kind of, I guess, updates and blinks his mind or whatever. And when you see them as farmers, Omnius manipulates the um, illusion in a way that you wouldn't have thought Omnius is being creative and indulging. Indulging is the biggest part. You know, pretending to eat the apple or whatever. Right. Uh, or or tossing, the, uh, tossing the watermelon to the face dancer. Like that kind of stuff. You wouldn't have thought that, that Omnius would have the creativity for that. So you kind of see them wearing off on each other. I thought that was interesting. And you wouldn't have caught that at all if you didn't know how they were. Now, here's the big question for me that I don't know the answer for. Um, so we know that the old couple has connections with the face dancers that they have sent out to infiltrate the old old uh, empire. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that there's a connection to them and they've, they have connections to them Somehow, they are able to have the same type of connection with Duncan. So what does that suggest to us about Duncan? It will be explained. But that's my question, and I don't have an answer. I remember, but... Uh, don't spoil it. I'm not, yeah. Being that you read ahead. Jerk. 15 years ago. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the old couple to me, uh, when when they came out as Omnius and Erasmus, I would have to say that they have, over uh, the millennia, have evolved and become even more powerful than they were before. And, uh, you know, their, their goal of doing away with everything that happened in between is really scary. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I agree. Like when I, when I look at Omnius and Erasmus, I'm like a bunch of different swear words go through my mind. I'm like, Holy, <laughs> they are up the Creek that humanity is out. They're There's working together. No chance that, they are going to survive this because they literally have had, as they say, 15,000 years to prepare. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's going to be, it's almost like we're coming full circle now mm-hmm. and we're going to wind up right back where we started. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and just like I said, they're working together, which is, they didn't work together before, which is probably what hindered them the most. Yeah. So then we had Edric, the guild navigator. I like Edric. Different from the Edric that was killed in uh, Dune Messiah. Yep. Mm-hmm. But of the line of Edrics. Line of Edrics. You know what I was expecting from him? I was expecting when he took the um, sisters to attack Tleilax, I expected him to just pop half of maybe half the force 
or all the force and I'll, I'll just like pop them out of the and be like here you are out in the middle of nowhere yep like either ultimate time yeah or, or see you later yeah i was expecting i was definitely expecting at that point that he was going to pull a stunt i i yeah i agree i'm full go ahead sorry no, he he just he just never did. He played it right straight the way he was supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I, I expected a little bit of dubiousness there, especially with what he had invested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What he invested. See, he was he was going back and forth and back and forth and trying to cut the best deal he possibly could. Well, you know, getting getting offered a year supply of spice that'll sway anyone, mm-hmm. especially a navigator. Yeah, yeah, but he did it smart. Like he sent his ships down to get Uxtal. Or... Well, no, he ex- Uxtal escapes. Right, but the, he but Uxtal was trying to get to the ships. Right, and they and... were coming down, and then uh, Waif escapes on the right on the on the rocket and goes up. But the but he sent guys down to the laboratory. It said that guild ships came right. to the laboratory. Right. So, yeah. How about Mirbella? Mother Commander. Oh, that's a change in character right there. She's you really see have seen where she's grown. Yeah, absolutely. I would you I like I her. think more Benny Jesuit than she is honored Mater. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what I I, I get the impression that that's one of the things that keep driving home is that once you get to a certain part of the training, the uh, Benny Jesuit proves to be the better and the more dominant way of thinking, especially after the agony. Um, that yeah. you just you become more Benny Jesuit than you were honored Mitra, and then um, like that's like the well, final they, step of conversion. Yeah, the Benny Jesuit seem to be able to control their passions a whole lot better. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. What about um, Doria, Doria, and Bell? <laughs> Bell and Dory. Yeah. Yeah. Were, is anyone, anyone else as uh, let down by the end of Doria? Doria? What was her name? Doria? Well, it's, it's funny in the way that when they awaken Baron Mm -hmm. in this book, that Alia is still in his head. Right. And it's that sort of funny that, when Doria dies, she's now in her head, and this is like the biggest curse. Or Bell, Bell's in Doria. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that, that's actually pretty hilarious for me. Well, yeah. I love the last line of the interaction. Shit, you've killed me twice. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, but I mean, I just but, I, uh, go ahead, Jim. About Rinya, Rinya and Janice, her the the twins. Oh yeah, yeah. I believe that is the first time we have seen an unsuccessful um, awakening. Yeah, probably. Mm. That, we've, that we've witnessed it. Right. That's that's yeah. for sure. Um, did you think, did you feel like Marbella may have rushed Rinya along a little too fast? I uh, think she believed her too easily. I think Rinya, I think Rinya, Push yourself. Her, push yourself along too fast. I don't think that was anything that the mother, yeah, commander was doing. Yeah, yeah. And then Janice, she was successful in um, 
becomes the leader of the Valkyra. So that's uh, the uh, Commander Idaho. Commander called. Idaho. Yep. I like that. I I thought, I was like, well, you're seeing an evolution. Like, you know, we've seen the sisterhood of the two groups coming together and what they're like together. But I felt like Janice was a true look at the next step in the fact that she knew her mother and she knew she had a relationship with her mother and it wasn't a hindrance right to the sisterhood no agreed um and i thought that because they keep talking about how like they're changing their views on love and whether or not it it's good or bad or if you can use it or if you shouldn't have it um etc etc and i felt like this was the first time that you're seeing like although that they 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 agreed you know their, their relationship was changed at the same time they acknowledged their family connection right. she was allowed to look up stuff about duncan idolize him to a degree but not you know over fascination uh, to me that's the that is the ultimate step for for the benny jesuit so yeah you know let's talk about go, oh, ahead. go ahead oh i was gonna say let's talk about ukstal helica and the waf goes so we're now in faith dancer land right yeah. Before, yeah. Wait, before we go too far, the chat room's talking on comments on uh, what we were saying about Erasmus and Omnius evolving. Yeah. So uh, Roland Smoke in the chat room said, I don't think Omnius and Erasmus evolved enough considering that time has passed. And uh, Ryan White, also in the chat room, and we thank you guys for being there, agrees, saying Omnius has still seemed angry from what happened at Corin, and Erasmus was still way too fascinated by it. I think commenting on the time period... Uh, it's a significant amount of change even though it's not that much for these characters when you think about this amount of time compared to how much time they ruled before without changing at all I mean uh, Erasmus was the only one that had gone through any type of change uh, of any of the machines so as small as it is it still seems significant to me because it's change in any form Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, that's my opinion yeah, so we're on what planet here with the uh, Waif Golas and so on? Talaxu. So we're on Talaxu, right? And uh, and so we get this. All I care about is the fact that that was invaded. Yeah. And uh, and then and, and Commander Idaho went in and Kickbuck took names and they uh, revealed the uh, the uh, head of the uh, Anamatres as being false. Face dancer. Face. Yeah. Yeah. There are face dancers everywhere. 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 Yeah, seriously. That's what happens in the last couple of pages. It turns out that everyone was a face dancer and that that's how deep it went. Right, right. You find out at it, the very end of book eight that Omnius and Erasmus are actually face dancers. <laughs> and they aren't really machines. Yeah. No one was ever anyone. Yeah. It's like Deep Space Nine and the shapeshifters. I mean, you don't know who to trust and who not to trust. I know. Yeah. Yeah, and then there was uh, finally the last two characters that I have on the list are Crone and the Baron Gola. Well, let's talk about Crone. Crone as, is really the only face dancer that we care about mm -hmm. because he's the only one. And what I like about Crone is that he is a face dancer that is doing his job, but has a hidden agenda. And we don't know what that agenda is quite yet. But he has a hidden agenda, and it's not 100% for the old man and woman. And I like that he, 
like most of the face dancers seem so focused like they have no fear or or any like thoughts outside of their plans i like the moment where he almost walks off the edge of the balcony in the vision and he's like he's afraid like a regular person would be afraid that he almost you know killed himself right um that was nice you know i agree uh jim what's your thoughts on uh crone on crone i don't know i i thought um He's trying to ingratiate himself with with uh, the old couple, uh, but he, he, as you say, he's got something else going on, and and this Berengola that he's working with, and then then they bring in another Paul Gola, Paolo. Is okay. Is it Paolo? Because I was I didn't yeah, was like, is it Paolo or is it Paul Paolo? Uh, they pronounce it as Paolo in the in, in, on the audiobook. So yeah. that's what I'm going with. Okay. Yeah, but and, and you know how and then when the Baron awakens, who is there? <laughs> right, hi, grandfather. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, <laughs> Ali turned the tables on this dude, and it was like, oh man, this is gonna be fun. <laughs> oh yeah. Do you know what I? Do you know what I liked about it is like, so the Baron's back. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one aspect. But you know, I felt bad for him. You know, before he got, before he was like awakened, like all he wanted to do was to play with Paul. <laughs> yeah. He just wanted to play with Paul, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and they wouldn't let him play. I felt so bad for him. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that to me that was probably that that's probably uh, the second most scary thing taking place uh, after Omnius and Erasmus. Yes, it it Baron. I agree. Baron, uh, even pre-awakened Baron, was creepy, oh, yeah. and they did such a great job developing that. And it's like when he when he when he awakes, all he's really gained has been his memories because he has been almost the same type of character, intentionally groomed that way. I do like how we get his his personality is so. The Baron. I almost, I almost was exactly. like, yes. <laughs> I know. Like when he when he got his memory back, because I just imagined we're like, what is this? He's like, yes, 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 yes. Like, let's keep moving. Tell me about this. You know, like, yeah. like just waving okay, him off. Now, now let me ask you this. The, and and I'm wondering about this. Is the the Baron Gola a fat little kid? Well, they said he was pudgy, but not. Yeah, I don't think okay. he's. I think they they kind of. A, uh, address that that he's not when he looks at his form he thinks about the fact that he was damaged by the Bene yeah. Gesserit well, I, I, well I, if I remember correctly he looks down he's, and, he, and he's he's thrilled that he's young and he's and he recognizes that he's he's pudgy but nowhere near what the effects of the what the witches did to him right and totally repairable which if you remember the Baron was lean and mean Oh yeah. So I would only imagine that once his mind came back, he would return to that state. Yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah. I, what, what I liked about uh, the Baron is the reason I like Duncan so much because this is kind of the pre-Frank Herbert Duncan. Yeah. And this is a this is a pre-Frank Herbert Baron, mm-hmm. and that pre-Frank Herbert Baron was evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do imagine uh, Alia's voice from. Uh, 
the Dune miniseries, though, whenever yeah, she talks. Yeah. Yes, grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> you face my gum, Jabbar. Oh. Yeah. Well, do we, uh, so uh, favorite points of the plot. Let's do this real briefly. Yeah. Uh, so, Gemma, do you have a favorite point of plot? Uh well, not any one in particular. As I said, I just thought everything in this book was really good. Um, the Baron awakening, uh, Duncan awakening and becoming his own his own man. Um, the uh, the sisterhood deciding to take it to the honored maiders and giving them the uh, the ultimatum: you either join us or you're gone. Uh, you know, those, those are, those are three things at least that come to mind. Yeah. Me, I loved Uxtal's story because it was a view from the other side of the fence that wasn't just, uh, let's kill everyone. Uh, I really liked that. I think my favorite action plot point was probably when they met the handlers. That uh, was good. I think that to me, that was... I was really interested in that, even knowing kind of what was going to come. Right. I, I but still they were just like, dancers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was, but it was just fun to see just the way it worked out and how they discovered it and all that stuff. Um, so those probably my my two big things. You know, the the flight of the Ithaca at points was interesting to see how the Gola children are developing and were awakened. So I found that that was kind of fascinating as well. And the vision. That Paul has of yeah, his death. Yeah, prescience, vision. Of pa- Paleo. Paleo yeah, Paulo. Paulo. Killing him. Marco. Paulo. Paulo. Marco. Paulo. <laughs> but. Yeah. All right. So we move into favorite quotes. Yeah. Themes? No, we kind of well, covered themes. Well, themes. So we didn't really touch themes. Well. Um, I well, I think we did while we were talking about the yeah, yeah we, did. I think we did we did um we looked up quote we couldn't find any quotes to copy no did you have find a quote I didn't Jim found quotes yes so, yeah. so these are these so these are the uh, this is going to be favorite quote of Jim well I'll tell you what I'll let David read the first one. Scott, you read the second one, and I'll read the last one. You know, you are way too kind. <laughs> I'm, I'm just so benevolent. He likes us. He really likes us. <laughs> you handlers of of Dune Saga podcast, right? You'd have to yeah. smell us to really know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll read the first one. There's more skill in avoiding confrontations than engaging them. Janice to carry during the fight between initiates. On Chapter House. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, this one. Why ask a man who's already lost to lead you? Why then are you surprised if he leads you nowhere? Duncan Idaho aboard the Ithaca from A Thousand Lives. Yeah, you know, and uh, brings to mind the bullpen of candidates for president. <laughs> a couple right. of them in particular. I'm not going to go into that because I don't want to start any crap with anybody. So Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. And then uh, the third quote was, the unknown can be a terrible thing and is often made more monstrous by human imagination. The real enemy, however, may be far worse 
than any we can possibly imagine. Do not let your guard down. And that come from Mother Superior Dar. And was surprisingly prescient of her. <laughs> you know? <laughs> there was a quote I remember reading that was, uh, it was, it was great. It was, I forget who said it, but it was along the lines of, don't assume just because you share enemies that you're friends. Oh, yeah. This new person could hate you more than the than your enemy. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially in reference to the face dancers on the Handler planet. Yeah, it was yeah. before one of those. Yeah. yeah, you can paraphrase that by saying the enemy of my of the en- the enemy of my enemy is not necessarily my friend. Yeah, right. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, it's, yeah. It's time for an all new poll. It's yes. been a couple months since we had a new a poll. poll on point. And this comes from Roland, right? Yep. This mm-hmm. comes from our, our Mentat brother in the Roland. chat room. In the so. chat room. Uh, okay. So, this is part three. Um, we've, been ha- we've had two others like this before, but uh, bring refreshing us up with the, with the characters. Who would you rather have by your side when going on an adventure? Duncan Idaho, Siona Atreides, I, I think, well, yeah, Siona Atreides, Leto II in worm form, Miles Tag, Shiana, or Murbella? Ooh, that's, that's good. Yeah, we'll talk about it next next time. I know which one I'm choosing right now. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's right. easy for me. Yeah, that's an easy one for me. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that just just a quick side i like that they clarified one of the things that people we've argued about on the show is why is leto later the second and not the other leto later the second why isn't he later the third and they say in the book it's because the other leto never got christened and and titled and he he was killed before he got titled and that's why the god emperor was later the second and not later the third and I was like, ah, look at them clarifying that. Oh, a little nice. <laughs> a little throwback thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, okay, let's let's move on to our ratings uh, for Hunters of Doom. Jim, how would you rate this book? Okay, drum roll, please. Thank you. A five. I'm, I'm giving it a straight five. Whoa. Oh, nice. Five I, it enjoyed, is. I enjoyed this book so much. I enjoyed it all the way through. I enjoyed every aspect of it. I understood it all. I didn't have to analyze too much and think too much. All I could, all I had to do was immerse myself in the story and enjoy it, and and it did it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, Scott. Where do you lay on this one? <clears throat> Four point two five. Oh, Four, seven, three. Yeah. Four, <laughs> 4. 2, 5, seven, 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 three. three. And the number of pi after. <laughs> no, you know, um, I like this book. Uh, considering how I started into it, it came up much better. This book by itself is a 4.25. If I were to put this with sandworms, it would be higher. But okay. I so if I were if they would have released this as one volume, I think I would have really. I think overall, it wouldn't have been it, too much. No, it'd have been long. But I've read long books before. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Game of Thrones. Come on, come on. Forty hours of listening. 
I'm not, this is nothing. <laughs> but no, that's why. So that's my thoughts. I, I think 4.25 here, and uh, I think Sandworms will be higher. I'm so torn on this one. I'll be honest because I'm going to give it my gut. I'm going to give it my gut reaction because of how elated I was to leave Frank Herbert's books behind, which sounds horrible, yeah. you know, because they're such masterpieces. At the same time. Uh, <laughs> so a gut reaction like Leto the baby Leto gut reaction yeah. to the Rah, I'm, yeah, just tearing, I'm just tearing tearing right into it and um, I am also going to give it a five because I was I read this book in three days it was a five it was a five five for me five for five for Jim you know I was thinking about it earlier today I was like where do I rate this book story wise I don't know maybe a four I was like, maybe 3.8. And then I was like, no, I enjoyed this book on so many levels, partially because of how tired I was of Frank. And that's not to say Frank's bad or anything like that. Obviously, he's the master. But we've, think, think of it this way. We have read, specifically, I have read pretty much nothing but Dune for over a year and a half. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I was so relieved to get into this and I just enjoyed it and... I had a good time. It wasn't deep. It wasn't. It wasn't really. At the, it's a five because I enjoyed it, not because it's anything spectacular. If that makes any sense. Very good. You're entitled to that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, where do we go from here? That's bad. Well, there's this great thing that we do called the listener feedback show. Well, we do, but we are we going to do any like sort of prediction oh, for yeah. what's going to happen in Sandworm? Can you? Predict? I can because I'm not through the entire thing. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's start so, with you. Let's so, so what I'm looking forward to in this book is the cataclysm, the Armageddon, the the face down between Omnius and Erasmus and the all the groups and everyone and has her own pieces to play and how they all play out and fit into this puzzle. Yeah. That's what I want to see. I can't wait to see that happen. Yeah. Uh, I am suspicious that humanity will triumph in nah. the end. Nah. But, uh, but that's just because that tends to be what happens in books <laughs> like this. Um, so, uh, but, but how that happens, that's what I'm interested in seeing. Okay. All right, Jim. Look, what, what are your what are your predictions thoughts for sandworms? Well, um, sandworms. I think I'm what I'm looking forward to seeing is uh, the children growing up and assuming different roles. I am predicting that we're going to see a new Kwisatz Haderach, and there's going to be a confrontation between. Uh, the machines and the humans through those through the Kwisatz Haderach and Omnians. Okay, all right. I'm surprised that neither of you mentioned the cover of the book, which has sandworms in an ocean. How does that not make you curious? Uh, I get the books on on Kindle, so I don't see. The uh, you don't see any. You don't see the covers. I do see the color. Look, look it up online, Jim. It's got sandworms in water. Um, okay. So that right there. Yeah, I got to that part. So. Yeah, we got to that part. 
Uh, I'm like, well, what's... Of course, I've read it before, you know, 15 years ago, whatever. But I want to know what's going on there. What's I'm like, on? where are face dancers? Come on. Like, I'm really anxious. It was like, everyone to me is a face dancer until proven innocent. That's right. And you're not innocent until you're dead at this right. point. <laughs> exactly. So I'm just waiting for That's everyone to die. Them out. Yeah. Everyone needs to get shot. Then air the whole ship. And when... Uh, yeah, when everyone's dead. Then we'll know. Yeah. Then we'll know. Yeah. But... Um, I, 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 the, I'm looking forward to discovering who the true master Kwisak Haderach is. The Kwisak Haderach to rule all Kwisak Haderachs. <laughs> One Kwisak Haderach to rule them all. Yeah. And in the darkness, bind them. Because the Amnius <laughs> and, and, and Erasmus seem to think that this is the most powerful Kwisak Haderach. Yeah. And it's someone on the ship. That's what they think. I know. They, yeah. th- they think. So, Yui, I'm looking at you, buddy. Yeah. Well, you know, by the way, just side note, chat room agrees with me in the rating. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But Ryan thinks that... Uh, pre-transformation Norma is hot so yeah no he doesn't you did not read his text you did so see Ryan thinks that those big worms in the water there's someone just going fishing <laughs> true masters of the domain yeah so when the final Quetzalcoatlrock is the final one he goes fishing he's just, just he a giant puts the worms on giant he goes giant worms fishes for big giant Fish. This turns out to be fish act- speakers. This whole series is a spinoff of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, where right, humanity was right. shrunk down. I remember at the end. I remember. I remember at the end of that one, uh, uh, Men in Black, where you like see the people like playing with like yeah. marbles and the one thing, and it's like really there's a huge creatures playing. You know. Like, yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what's happening. Wow. All right. Well, hey, we should uh, we should wrap, wrap this up, up here. Here. So. Um, so what do we need to tell people before we uh, move on here? Well, we've got our listener feedback show. For those of us, for those of you joining us live, we record the listener feedback show immediately after this one. Uh, with a, with a five-minute break. With a, fi- a little bit break in between. But So if you're joining us on the nights, you'll hear everything at once. But everyone else, it's about a, a week and a half delay to you get to hear that content. But you can be a part of our conversation. There are many ways to do that. You can chat with us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Saga Podcast. Twitter, at Saga Podcast. Of course, email is one of the tried and true ways for your longer, more in-depth comments, and that's Saga Podcast at gmail.com. Of course, if you are reading a different part of the series, feel free to comment. We will read uh, everything that comes in, no matter where we are in the series. We'll, uh, we'll talk about old stuff. Yeah, old stuff. Absolutely. You know, all that kind of stuff. So now... Uh, another way to get in touch with us would be to leave a voicemail, and you can do that how? You can call one two six one if I can speak here, one two six zero five seven seven chat That's one two six zero five seven seven two four two eight. Yeah, and I want to thank all of our, our new Patreon supporters. Uh, yes, Patreon, supporters. Yep. Now, for those of you who are familiar with Patreon, it allows you to kind of help support the arts and help support us. Uh, we do a monthly uh, subscription, so if we if we post content um, on a, our proper schedule, then it posts on Patreon, and then the subscriptions go out. But as we've been behind, there has not been any sort of action going on there because I feel if you're paying us to do something, we should be on point. Yep. So 
Uh, that's the way I feel about things. Uh, but we should be there with this episode, so good. Mm-hmm. So you can check us out at patreon.com slash podcast. If that doesn't take you right there, just search for Dude Saga Podcast. We'll come up. Um, and that about brings us to the end of our conversation. Anything I forgot? Nope. I believe that's it. Cool. So once again, for the Dune Saga Podcast, I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Hertzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And may Shai Hulu clear the path before you. Woo!